0: I asked several sources within the Auburn football program who will have a huge fall camp. We tell you who they said next.
1: Freezing temperatures are likely for several hours inland and a few hours closer to the coast. Yes. You are Locked on Auburn, your daily podcast on the Auburn Tigers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: Yes, welcome on into Locked on Auburn, your daily Auburn Tigers podcast. I'm your host, Zach Blockerby. Thank you so much for making Locked on Auburn your first listen every single day. Joining us, as he does almost every Monday, Lindsey Crosby of AuburnDaily.com, as well as Locked on MLB Prospects. Lindsay, I reached out to a few sources as we are just, I mean, next week. Next week is fall camp. We were so close. So I reached out to a few sources within the Auburn football program and just asked the following question. Give me a few names of guys that you think will have a huge fall camp. And I got a few different answers. Got a few different answers, Lindsay. And we'll start with the answer from one particular source. They included four true freshmen and not the same four that we always talk about. Three of them, yes. That fourth one, uh, when you talk about Keldrick Falk, Connor Lou, Kay and Lee, typically that fourth freshman is Jeremiah Cobb. That was not the case with this. So ask the first source the following question. You know, who's going to have a huge fall? They said Keldrick Falk, Canely, Connor Liu, and Colton Hood, a corner that I have not talked a lot about. And for folks who uh, who don't remember who that is, because we haven't talked about Colton Hood at all, just because I didn't think we needed to. But for folks who uh, don't remember, Colton Hood was committed to Michigan State. He was one of the seven flips that Hugh Freeze and the staff flipped towards the end of last year's class. And so maybe he's a name we need to watch, Lindsey. Yeah, 5'11", 183
2: out of Conyers. And uh, it's something, you get so much really good football talent out of that area, but because of the classifications, the way that the high schools are set up and who they play and everything, sometimes guys feel like they fall through the cracks a little bit. And Colton Hood's a guy that like you said, we haven't really talked about him because we kind of assumed this was a redshirt year. Right. You've got other more high-profile pros- like, uh, prospects, more high-profile recruits coming in, but people within the program are excited about wh- him and what he can do. He was Athlete of the Year in Region uh, 5-2A last year. I mean, just a uh, top 30 prospect in the state. And I think that we sometimes forget about guys like him. And it feels like every year, Auburn's got one of those defensive backs that, is not as highly rated as everybody else or as talked about, but just explodes on the scene and has a fantastic year and becomes a guy going forward. And Colton has a good chance to do that.
0: Yeah, top 50 player in the state of Georgia. Like you take that, you take that every single bit of it. And so we'll certainly see, I mean, it's a position where Auburn's stacked right now. So his path to playing time is tricky, but the fact that he was included in that answer, tells me one thing that he's impressing people and working his tail off and summer workouts. And I think that's something that's, uh, that's exciting and should be encouraging. I'm willing to bet you that part of it too, is that
2: he's such a great athlete. I mentioned athlete of the year. Yes, but mm-hmm. he was part of an all state relay team in track. He had lettered in basketball and he was a three-time all region baseball player. And so it's something where he's always been playing multiple sports all year, it feels like the kind of thing where now that he's focusing, for the most part, solely on football, it feels like he could take a dramatic jump with some work on technique and some practice and getting some of that muscle memory in.
0: Yeah, and just a reminder, his uncle is Roderick Hood, who played a lot for Auburn, was a very good player for Auburn back in the day as well. So, Caldrick Falk, Kane, Lee, Connor, Lou, Colton, Hood, um, all of those, I think, make sense for different reasons. I also think it's interesting that this particular source, Lindsay, decided to give me all freshmen names. I thought that was an interesting thing, too. The the second one did not do that, but the first one did. And I thought that was interesting.
2: Yeah, it's you have a lot of transfers into this team. And so I understand the the natural thing to go and say, well, hey, look at these upperclassmen coming in who have done this and been successful at other programs at other levels. But the thing that we kind of forget sometimes is it's a new coaching staff. It's a new playbook. It's a new scheme. And so you kind of all really start on the same page. Yeah. And, you know, Keldrick Falk's coming in. You brought in quite a few transfers to, to, to work at Jack and defensive end and things like that. But if he comes in and, and looks the best, he has the best chance of getting playing time because this staff isn't wedded to any one specific guy or there's no incumbent, especially in the case of Keldrick Falk, where we in essence have a whole new room from what we had last year.
0: Yeah, we talked to Elijah McAllister about him at SEC Media Days last week. He got asked about him at every stop that he possibly went on at SEC Media Days. And look, I mean, he he didn't skip a beat. He's like, the kid's special. We all know it and excited to see what he can do. It's going to be interesting how they use him because it sounds like he's not just going to be a jack. Linebacker. It sounds like he's going to play defensive end with Marcus Harris, and potentially next to Marcus Harris if they scoop Marcus Harris in at any so- certain point of time. Which I think adds so much pop and upside to the pass rushing aspect of this defensive front, which is probably my biggest concern on the team. This pass rush. I, I just, I just don't feel good about the pass rush situation, and so the fact that multiple multiple people are saying Keldrick Falk and multiple people are saying defensive backs like Colton hood and Kane and Lee and the other source mentioned other DBs. We'll get to in a second. Like, I think that's all good because I think the pass defense is my biggest question mark, not necessarily because I don't believe in the DBs. You know, if, if you're an everyday or you know how much I love Auburn's cornerbacks and the fact that I, I may have another one to kind of gas up with, with over the next few weeks, I'm ecstatic. you know, I'm beside myself, but, um, the, the pass rushing element is concerning. And so, once again, Keldrick Flock, he's got to be the key to that, as well as Elijah McAllister, who I think has the ability to do it. Didn't register a sack at Vandy. Like, I think that's something that we all got to accept, that sacks aren't always an individual stat. It takes a lot of things to happen for a sack to happen in the SEC. But also, you know, you go out and get um, Jaden McCloud as well. So we'll certainly see what the pass rush situation looks like, but Keldrick Flock's the key to it. And the one guy that we
2: haven't mentioned out of this group before, we haven't really talked about him yet in this show. He's we've discussed him plenty, but Connor Lou, the idea of, it's just kind of a given for the most part that unless you have a glaring need because of personnel that when you get a freshman offensive lineman, they just pretty much sit and their, their first year is a redshirt year while they're getting size and they're learning technique and adjusting to the speed of the sec. And for the source to come out and say like, Hey, watch connor lou he has a chance to have a huge fall camp and play a huge role this season that's impressive because offensive line is just one it's the hardest position to evaluate but then two uh, right now you brought in you know a full starting five of transfers that you can pencil into spots and for him to be able to break that rotation would be huge not only for auburn but for
0: your hopes of then recruiting blue chip offensive linemen down the road I'm with you because that has to be a selling pitch, right? You know, uh, playing time. That's been something that Auburn's had in their tool belt when recruiting offensive linemen for years, but it just hasn't really worked or been enough. And so maybe some proof of concept. We love that term around here. Shout out Jay Ferg and the folks of the Auburn Observer Pod, but proof of concept. Maybe that'll help. Connor Lewis' path to playing time as a true freshman, I think got a little tougher when Cam Stutz was one of the representatives for SEC Media Days, I think. I think, and just talking to some other folks when I was I reached out and it was like Cam Suss, and like yeah, he's starting right now. So, you know, if it's him and Jeremiah Wright, you know, you're you're going to start Avery Jones, the the you know the grad transfer from East Carolina at center. Can he play at guard, year one, beating these guys out? I'm not saying he can't, but it's tougher than I think it was a month ago.
2: Yeah, and and it's something where. Having a huge fall camp doesn't necessarily mean they're the starter, but he could be positioned to be that first guy up if something were to happen. We saw last year, obviously, I think you lost two different starting centers between the start of fall camp and the end of the season. And so having a guy, he played center at Kennesaw Mountain High, but if he can cover some guard, having that versatility and knowing, hey, he can step up and play any of these three spots in the interior, he's probably going to see the field some when it comes to special teams and things like that, but then also being able to step up as a freshman and take snaps, if that if that's needed, would be huge for this team. It just feels like a place we haven't really been of having more offensive linemen that were worthy of starting than we had spots. Feels like that's the
0: complete opposite of what we've dealt with in the last four or five years. And so it's a, it's a nice problem to have. I'm with you. All right, so the first source said, Caldric Falk, Hanley, Lee, Connor Liu, and Colton Hood when asked, who are some guys that we should expect a huge fall camp from? The second source gave me six names, Lindsay. And we discuss those six next right here on Locked On Auburn. Today's show brought to you by our friends at eBay Motors for a championship team. It's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts or accessories, head to eBay Motors with eBay guaranteed fit. You can make sure every part you need fits right the first time around just add your ride to my garage look for the green check to know the part will fit or you get your money back just just like in sports confidence is the name of the game when you shop at ebay motors and with over 122 million parts to choose from you'll be back in the game in no time and after all it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed get the right parts the right fit and the right prices over at ebaymotors.com eBay Motors, guaranteed fit, only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. eBayMotors.com. Auburn family, let's ride. (laughs) Looking at...
1: March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday and
0: Um, names that the source gave me. He said six when asked, all right, huge potential fall camp. They said Keldrick Falk again.
2: I think that's because
0: he's huge in general. Yeah, I mean, that's an easy one to make. Uh, Keldrick Falk, Eugene Asante, the linebacker, Jay Fair and Jair Shorter, the two wide receivers there. Rivaldo Fairweather, the explosive tight end, that's easy to sell for sure. Then another defensive back, Keontae Scott, let's start with Eugene Asante because that's a name that we've talked about some here at Locked on Auburn, but I just want to remind folks that we've had multiple people tell us at the end of spring that the last two weeks of spring, Eugene Asante really came on. Maybe he kept that momentum throughout summer workouts and all of a sudden, you know, maybe he's got a chance to compete for some of these uh, linebacker reps that, that are certainly up for grabs. Eugene Asante was not a name I was expecting, but a name that I think makes sense. Yeah, I mean, it was something everybody was
2: really excited when he transferred in as far as three-season guy at North Carolina, had a 10-tackle game against Texas A&M, like played really well, and then last year we saw him in the first four games, and then that was it. He didn't show up after that. And and so the idea of, hey, make these guys pick up and move their lives to different cities and stuff, like that's just hard to do, transferring schools and all that, but... Picking up the defense, if everything started to click and he understands more so about not only his responsibilities on a given play, but what the play, the defensive call is designed to do and he's able to better execute like that's a good thing for Auburn. And we brought in multiple linebackers because we're trying to find that group that fits. If Eugene Asante can be that guy, you could have, you know, I believe he has multiple years because last year he was a redshirt year after those four games. And mm-hmm. so you could theoretically have two years of a guy that is flashing that would be, obviously, he's been in the weight room for a couple of years now. He has college size, 6'1", 222. You yeah. feel good about the fact
0: that you need linebackers to step up. If he can do it, that gives you a high-quality option, a high-floor option. I'm with you. I'm with you. Then Jay Fair is a name that Mike G has thrown out on War Report Wednesdays a ton, which, once again, like I, I think it makes sense. But is he going to get reps at the slot over Javarius Johnson and Coy Moore? I don't know. I genuinely don't know the answer to that.
2: I think the whole idea is if he has a huge fall camp, he's going to earn himself those snaps. And that's the big thing is there's so many wide receiver mm-hmm. jobs open on this team. We have guys who transferred in. We have an idea of who is, whether it's the experience, whether it's the transfer, who has the potential to take these snaps. But yes. nothing set in stone. It all depends on how they play in fall, how they get down the uh, the playbook and the route running, and how they mesh with Peyton Thorne. And Jay Fair has the potential. Like, he's got big play potential. He averaged 20 yards a play in uh, his, his senior year of high school, like scored 13
0: touchdowns. And so he's North- got that that potential. Right, right. And then looking at North Texas last year, Jair Shorter did the same thing at the college level, and that was one of the names mentioned. Um Hugh freeze talked about shorter last week when giving injury updates. And so we'll certainly see the fact that his name was mentioned might be a good thing. I would think, um, but we'll certainly see how Jair Shorter's availability looks early in fall. Assuming we have access to some open windows for practice. We'll see how Jair Shorter looks. Mm-hmm. Rivado Fairweather, I think is self-explanatory. I mean, Seems like he's going to be the Evan Ingram piece of this Hugh Freeze offense, which is very, very exciting, and there's a lot of upside there. And then Keontae Scott, I think he'll start, or at least be a key part of this, but where do they put him on the field? Is he primarily at outside corner? Do they move him to nickel? I think he can do both really well. I think you need more help at the nickel position than outside corner, so I would guess that he would go there. But just kind of seeing where his reps are early in fall camp, I think will be huge too.
2: Yeah, he was the primary nickel last year, and it felt like he was a little more willing than maybe some other guys to get his nose dirty and, and, you know, setting the edge and helping with the run game as well as the pass. And so uh, that would be huge for him to have the versatility to play both. He has the length as far as six foot, you know, 190. He -hmm. has the size and length to play outside or inside, but he still has that agility. I think that uh, that track and field background in high school definitely helps Keontae Scott. But him, him having a big year would do a lot towards helping you feel better about the pass coverage as well as just kind of solidifying some of these roles on the back end because you have a lot of talent, but you got to figure out who's going to play where and then going forward in the future, you have to figure out, okay, who's going to be here after this season because you also have a lot of guys who are draft eligible and with big years, they're gone and then you have to backfill. And so if Golden Hood has a good camp, and then Keontae Scott has a good camp and season. That makes you feel good about next year as well.
0: Yeah, assuming Keontae Scott chooses to stay. I mean, he could be great. And I mean, he's he's eligible for the draft if he wants to go. But you got to think um, you got to think the sales pitch of like, hey, you can be the dude. You and Kay and Lee uh, have a chance to do something really cool. Could you come back and, and stay for one more year? So I, I think that everyone's going to be fine long-term, especially with some of the true freshmen That'll be coming in next season. That mm-hmm. should be an okay room. But yeah, all in all, Keldrick Falk mentioned twice. Kane Lee, Connor, Lou, Colton Hood, Eugene Asante, Jay Fair, Jair Shorter, Rivaldo Fairweather, and Keontae Scott. Lindsay, before we then shift our conversation to Auburn versus Georgia on the recruiting front, Auburn beat out Georgia for uh, for Joseph Phillips. And it appears that later this week they will lock down the commitment. From current Georgia linebacker, comment, um, uh, DeMarcus Riddick. Mm-hmm. We'll talk with Ben Walk, who uh, used to cover Auburn recruiting like a glove. Now he covers Georgia recruiting. Met up with him at SEC Media Days last week. How can people check out everything you've got going on? I'm on Twitter at Crosby Baseball. You can follow all of the different sports. If it's
2: Auburn Baseball, auburndaily.com. College baseball is rad, folks. If it's minor league baseball, Locked in m Prospects, available get your podcasts. And if it's professional baseball, bravestoday.com.
0: All right. Joining us now here live on Radio Row, Ben Wolk, old guest, former Auburn recruiting expert, now covers Georgia recruiting for Dogs 247. Good to see you, first off. Oh, so good to see you. Glad to be here. Secondly, from the Georgia perspective, how shocked are you that some of these recruiting battles, like Joseph Phillips, Demarcus Riddick, how shocked are you that they're going the way that they're going?
3: Well, I mean... Joseph Phillips made me look a little bit stupid. I, I thought I was, I was. thought he was going to be ending up at Georgia. I was going to go see him like the day before he oh, ended really? up making his announcement. But uh, no, I mean, obviously Hugh Freeze knows what he's doing from a yeah. recruiting perspective. I don't think that that's a newsflash to anyone. He obviously recruits the right type of guys. Joseph Phillips, big linebacker win. Marcus Riddick is the one that I think everyone will be watching here in the next few weeks. And I think that Auburn and Alabama are probably better positioned than Georgia is right now to get.
0: Despite being committed to Georgia, which is a little weird. Yeah, it is weird.
3: It's like it's one of those things you kind of got to dance around a little bit. But Yeah. uh, yeah, I mean, I think obviously Auburn's doing a lot of the right things on the recruiting trail. Winning linebacker recruitments against Georgia is a big win because Glenn Schumann does as good of a job with his room as anybody in college football. And to be winning those battles says a lot about the trajectory of where Auburn's going.
1: You know, Georgia and Alabama a lot of time, in my opinion, switch spots as far as being the standard in recruiting in the league. One year it could be Alabama. You've had the unique perspective to cover both Auburn and Georgia recruiting. Now, are there some traits and some things that you see that Auburns may be rising to that the elite programs in the SEC, like Georgia, have been doing for years? Well, I'll say this: when I was covering Auburn, you know,
3: 2016-2019 range, like. I think Auburn did a really good job of recruiting the right type of guys. And when I say that SEC coaches have a cardboard cutout they're looking for. They need offensive linemen that are certain dimensions. They need defensive backs that run certain 40 times. Like they need to hit those certain indicators and those marks. Kevin Steele was the defensive coordinator when I was there covering Auburn. And he did as good of a job as anyone of hitting those marks. I felt like, and I think, Q Freeze's track record speaks for itself. Like when he was at Ole Miss, he recruited the right type of guys, obviously at Liberty, it was a different type of job, but the guys that he was getting in the transfer portal definitely fit those types of things. And it goes without saying that Auburn's doing that in this recruiting cycle. And you can point to some of the, you know, Joseph Phillips, DeMarcus Riddick, Perry Thompson's guys that they're trying to really get in on with Georgia and Alabama recruiting. But I think even if you go a little bit deeper into their recruiting class, they are recruiting the right type of guy. And ultimately that's what you have to do. And I think that when you see coaching coaches fizzle out early in their careers, a lot of times that's because they just brought the wrong guys into their campus.
0: And Q freeze isn't going to do that. So when you, uh, when you started covering Georgia recruiting, did you have to practice writing commitment articles for office of tackles? You didn't <laughs> I do a whole lot of that yeah, at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. I remember we actually had one cycle
3: that when we, I would come on the radio with you, Zach, and yeah. we were like, who are they taking at offensive tackle? Like we, there was, we weren't really sure whether Auburn was going to get an offensive tackle in that class. And now since I've been covering Georgia for a little over a month now, they've gotten four and basically the last in the class, right? They have six offensive linemen, two of I mean, they all are listed as offensive tackles. I think Marcus Harrison and Malachi Tolliver probably are more interior type of guys, but the fourth they got in the last three weeks or so, Michael Ooney, Daniel Calhoun, Nair Daniels, Marquise Easley, I mean, they all fit a very clear prototype that Kirby Smart and Stacy Searles are looking for on the offensive line. So yeah, I, I got my reps in on offensive line commitment
1: articles here in the last month. You know, different coaches have different philosophies of who they take in classes. It seems to me like Georgia is in a situation where they were able to kind of do like the NFL draft, take best player available and not look for a particular position group. Auburn, not so much. They had to build the offensive line. They have to get some depth. They do really good in the cornerback room. Are there some other areas when you covered Auburn that you felt like they targeted? Obviously, we talked about offensive tackles and stuff. They kind of missed the mark. But what were some areas of strength that you saw that Auburn was very good in a position group?
3: Yeah, I mean, I probably will defer to the defensive side of the ball because I think Kevin Steele did a really good job while he was there. Travis Williams was obviously there. And I think the linebacker room was probably the sharpest uh, of the group. I mean, obviously winning the Owen Papo recruitment was probably the most prominent win that Auburn had mm-hmm. while I was covering them. I'll always, you know, be an advocate for Mark, Marcus Woodson and Travis Williams. I think they were two of the best assistant coaches that I've covered when I've been doing this. And so, um, I'm sure Arkansas is really happy to have them right yeah. now, but all, you know, they, they did some amazing things at Auburn, but, um, know i won't i won't linger on the past too much with Auburn because i know that there's a lot of positive upswing going on too sure absolutely
0: so the the current state of the deep south oldest rivalry kind of in question yeah right right? i mean if it it sticks to eight games um it doesn't look like it's going to be a yearly thing what's the georgia side of that do you think well i think the
3: georgia side of it is if you're only allowed to have one annual common opponent like there's Everyone's going to want Florida as that matchup. And I think, likewise, Auburn would want Alabama as that matchup. So the the Deep South Olders rivalry would be what gets lost in that. I'm of the belief that there will eventually be a nine game conference schedule because. Everybody wants to see more competitive games. Greg Zanke mentioned it yesterday. Like he's not trying to take sides really, but he mentioned you want to have as many of those common traditional rivalries on your schedule as you possibly can. And the nine game schedule is the obvious way to do that. So I am going to keep the optimistic approach and just assume that there will be a nine-game schedule sooner rather than later. And as yeah. a result, Georgia-Auburn will survive. But I'll, I'll say that will be a weird year. It's already going to be weird next year, Georgia not playing South Carolina. I find that one a weird one. Right. But if Georgia doesn't play Auburn, I mean, is that that's not even college football to me. Right.
1: Yeah, I, you know, I think the most telling thing he said was, it, I think it was a warning shot to say, okay, if you guys want to keep it at eight games, you're going to get one rival. If you want to go to nine, we can preserve three. Yep. And I think that was more of a preemptive strike to make sure other people understand to get on board with the nine-game schedule.
3: Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, i, I that's what exactly what stood out to me from his entire speech that he gave yesterday. That was probably the big thing that stood out to me because its he, he's the commissioner. He doesn't want to take sides. He doesn't want to make a public statement on what has to happen. But at the same time, he's wanting to nudge folks in the right direction. And I think it'll get there eventually. It's just, you know how those meetings go they you get a bunch of people in there all trying to agree on something and it's almost impossible to do
0: yeah so i assume you're gonna vote for georgia to win the east i'm gonna vote for georgia to win the east i don't think that's too much of a take and then so
3: i'm I'm probably not gonna vote for georgia to win the sec though if i'm being honest with you really so Um, so who do you who do you have winning uh, this might this probably won't this might be the wrong place to say this but i just feel like alabama i mean they haven't i mean that's what I'm going to vote for. Nick Saban, every person that's come in to Alabama has won a national championship. For them to not win a national championship three years in a row is basically unheard of. I realize that people are talking about Georgia being the standard, and Georgia has obviously risen to the point where they're in the conversation to be doing that. But, I don't know, three national championships in a row, just... It's, hard. it's I mean, two seemed far-fetched to me, so three just impossible. seems outrageous. Yeah,
1: yeah. and to miss the playoffs. Yeah. Not, and now that expands it because it's not just not winning national championships. It's not even qualifying for the football playoff, yeah. which is heresy yeah. when you talk about Alabama.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's rare. I mean, we're not familiar with it at
1: all. So Where I, would you slot Auburn then in the West?
3: Probably. I'm, I'm trying to think. I, I haven't officially submitted my ballot yet. I just yeah. got it this morning. So I'm thinking probably behind Alabama, LSU, and Ole Miss. You got Ole Miss at three? Which is, you know, Yeah, Texas A&M falling off? I just can't figure out Texas A&M. It's tough. I, I mean, if you look at the talent across the board, there's no reason why they can't completely eliminate what everybody thought about them last year. Like, if Bobby Petrino works out and they yeah. have a good offense, like, it can. I just, I know our, you know, he talked about it yesterday, and why Why would it be volatile in, in that room? I, I think there'll be some volatility there, so I think that's sort of why I yeah, st- I stay away from A&M where I can. And, well, how can people give you some love, brother? Uh, you can subscribe to Dogs 24-7 if you're so inclined. I can't. I don't know how many people here would want to do that. I think but think and recruiting uh, scoop would be interesting. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, there's there's going to be more and more Auburn stuff that I have to write about, too, the more that Hugh Freeze does what he's doing That's on right. the recruiting trail. But follow me on Twitter at Benjamin Wolk. And, uh, yeah, I, I appreciate y'all having me on.
0: Thank you so much to Lindsey. Thank you so much to Ben Walk for joining the show today. In the meantime, check out all of our written work, auburndaily.com.
1: And until then, we'll see you tomorrow. This has been Locked on Auburn.